Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that supports people who are navigating STI stigma, primarily herpes, by connecting them to various mental health resources under the umbrella from therapy to counseling, group therapy, support uh, groups, mentorship, and I think that covers everything under the umbrella. Oh, there's yoga classes, but anything that's just good for your mental health. Um, that's, I guess, now five years later, five and a half years later, that like brings full circle the concept of this being something positive for positive people. All right, I am here today with Zach. This will be the concluding episode of the Oregon Health Authority uh, podcast episode series. So thank you yeah, <laughs> for helping me no close problem. this out. Yeah. I had, uh, I think I had nine or 10 episodes done. I had 10 interviews with people who were in Oregon and this was in June. I had them all lined up. And then from July to August up till just now in September was when I was able to get the last two people. So I was getting nervous for a while, but, um, so just quick overview of the survey that you submitted. You're Zach, 38, male, he, him, pronouns, heterosexual, uh, sex positive, into kink and BDSM, positive for general HSV2. And then we talk a little bit about your experience when you received your diagnosis from your healthcare provider. So I guess we can just start with that. You um, yeah, sure. want to just tell me about the initial outbreak? Yeah. So what happened, I was actually with a partner uh, that I was seeing at the time exclusively um, for, I think it had been a full like three months. Uh, we had pretty much only been having sex without a condom or anything or protection. Um, and so it wasn't until about say three months or so that I basically got a, just woke up in the morning and had a really, really bad outbreak. Um, I had really bad flu symptoms. Um, you know, just everything. It wasn't good, you know? <laughs> so I was like, I, I had a feeling it's kind of, kind of a crazy thing. Cause you don't like, it's not something you've ever experienced before. So you kind of wake up and you're like in the back of your, in my head, I was just like, okay, this is probably herpes or something or, but it was kind of confusing. Cause like, I didn't, I guess I didn't know enough about it. Like we'd been having sex for quite some time, you know? And, um, so did that, um, kind of talk to my partner. And at that point she let me know of, uh, I think it was maybe about like eight months before that, that she had experienced some kind of outbreak. It didn't sound like really as bad as what I had had. Uh, supposedly went to uh, Planned Parenthood, got checked out, and they didn't seem to think it was uh, herpes, you know. And um, so they basically told her it was fine. I think they did a swab test, but not a blood test, and basically told her she was fine. So, you know, didn't feel a need to disclose that or anything because talked to a doctor and they said she was okay. Um, so she immediately felt really bad cause she was worried that she had accidentally given me, um, HSV. And, um, so yeah. So anyway, I, I went to Planned Parenthood, um, which is kind of an interesting experience. Like, um, you know, I, I get there, they, the doctor checked, the physician checked it out. Um, 
it was really bad, but it was kind of weird because the physician like kind of like gasped and recoiled at it, you know, too. So it's already like, this is already like a, a kind of a, like a, already in a weird headspace there. And then she's like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm a monster, you know, you know, so kind of that feeling away. It's like, she was, of course they have to be super careful with it, but the way she kind of was super careful about it felt like a little bit weird, you know. But anyway, they did a swab test. Um, they also did a blood test um, just because, I mean, she was at that point, the physician was pretty convinced it was, you know, HSV2. Um, and so, yeah, did that and uh, got a message from Planned, Par Planned Parenthood the next day, I believe it was. This was back in, I should say this was back in uh, 2017. And... Um, so got a message the next day, talked to him, went through the whole thing, got information about, you know, disclosing or letting past partners and stuff know. Um, then my partner at the time went back and got diagnosed herself as well. Um, it was kind of interesting. Like at first, I mean, I was more concerned with at the time, I guess. Like, I mean, of course it wasn't great, but she clearly felt like really, really, really bad, you know? So I was kind of in a way more concerned with like that, you know, just kind of managing that and, and not wanting her to have to feel that way. Uh, at the time too, it's, it's kind of interesting. I think different people have different experiences where, you know, they get it just from a casual sex partner or whatever. But it, from my experience, it was like, um, you know, like it was somebody I was with. So I was like, you know what, well, we both have it. And like, I wasn't too worried about it. It's not like I was like thinking at the time, like trying to date down the line. It's not like, Oh God, how am I going to do this now? Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of the initial experience or whatever. Um, yeah. So of all of that, um, there were three points I wanted to jump in and ask a question, sure. but you yeah, answered yeah. one about uh, the timing of it. Cause yeah. I was curious about that. Sure. Uh, you went to Planned Parenthood, which is also interesting. Did you know at the time that you could go to Planned Parenthood? Because I thought they, at the time that I was diagnosed, for example, I thought they only served women. Oh, yeah. No, I did know. And, and I had been there for just like regular SCI screening and stuff before, too. Uh, also, my partner at the time was uh, kind of well, really well versed in that as well, too. So, okay. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then the third thing we speak to, uh, it is interesting when you're in a relationship and then, you know, someone tests positive. The stories behind that. Yeah, We don't totally. really get to hear that. Yeah. We assume, like you said, that it might have been like a one-time thing or that someone was being promiscuous and yeah, that's yeah. how it happens. But yeah, that's yeah. Not, that's not always the case. No, and I didn't think so. I mean, we had openly talked about interest in, you know, kind of having fun with other people and different scenarios with that. We are both very open with that. That's always, that's been something I've, I was interested in for kind of in the back of my head and didn't really enact it until you know later in life basically but um I didn't have any kind of feeling like you know she had picked it up during the course of our relationship you know mm -hmm. uh, never really suspected that really didn't think that that would be a case or anything like that uh it was kind of interesting too um it really didn't hit me super hard until the relationship ended and then I was like oh shit now I have to try to do this and like it, like before, if you have to disclose, even if it's like 
a casual partner you have with while you're in a relationship it's like whatever like not a big deal but going forward it's like man how, how am I ever gonna you know it's gonna be it felt really like it was gonna be a struggle to get people to accept that um, like the first date I went on first person I started dating after that um, she she like I don't know I guess I kind of feel not to sound shallow but I felt like I was kind of went a little below what I'm usually attracted to you know what I'm saying um, where you're just kind of like like shooting at yeah to, to just, feel it out you're just yeah exactly just kind of going the safe route yeah. I guess I, you know hopefully that doesn't sound terrible but that's that's what I was like kind of feeling and kind of what I felt like was going to help uh, unfortunately so we dated for you know we went on a few dates and then um, and it was really fun and you know we got things got a little hot and heavy and you know clearly sex was about to happen and I disclosed and this was kind of less than two we had we weren't drunk but we had been having some drinks and at the time she's like well yeah let's do it anyway and then the next day called me up and her, her sister's a nurse and very like, you know, like she told her don't do it basically. So she's like, um, so she basically like called it off and this was my first experience, like from coming back with that, you know? So it's like, oh my God, this is how it's going to be or whatever. But honestly, after that, like it became, well, it became easier and you almost get better at it. Uh, I think there's something to be said about disclosing in a way that is not where you you don't necessarily have to do it with a bunch of self-remorse like I probably was conveying at the time um and yeah it got it got definitely way easier and like since then I didn't really have a single person that I had dated or hooked up with that that really had any kind of big issue with it you know as well too uh, so that's cool because that that first one was like, oh my god, here we go. You know, I so, think that's yeah. the worst too. Where yeah, you get a yeah. yes and then it turns into a no. Yeah, exactly. Excited or you get yeah, it. exactly. Like, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, the rejection is just like you fall from a higher height. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I even remember though, like even when we did sleep together, it was, I felt like a little weird about it. Like I felt a little concerned. Like I, I, I couldn't, like I was thinking a lot about like, oh, I don't, you know worrying about passing it on to this person and, and that too but all that stuff got like a lot easier over time you know mm -hmm. um now i don't even i mean i have a you know partner now she also has uh hsv2 but even beyond that like it doesn't even before we were even together you know with casual partners i might see now it doesn't it like at this point it's just like if they were to say no that's totally cool like not a problem i mean it would have been fine before too it's not like the end of the world or anything but it's just gotten a lot easier for sure you know like um yeah it doesn't like trip me out at all i just do it and you know most mm -hmm. of the time they're cool with it you know so how did you talk about sexual health or sci testing because you did mention when you were even with your partner um, at the time that you got diagnosed, yeah. that you had gone to Planned Parenthood for routine testing. So sure. out of yeah, curiosity, yeah. what was your communication around SCIs like before your diagnosis? Yeah, so basically, I mean, I don't know. I guess like I guess there would be generally conversations and basically on the uh, just, just 
quick conversations about like, you know, when was the last time her STI tested? Um, this definitely did get me more on a thing where, I mean, especially like there'd be times when I would just take somebody's word for it and not use a condom, you know, and, and that's, you know, that is what it is. But now if it's like, if, if anything were to happen, I've just used a condom with casual partners or whatever since then, but if anything were to happen or especially relationships where they don't have, you know, HSV2, um, so they, yeah, I would, I would before kind of take their word for it, but now, especially since I'm at risk of, you know, giving somebody herpes, then, um, it's more of a, like, I don't know. There's more, there's more of a conversation now for sure. So, yeah. yeah. So how'd your conversation change? I guess I know there's more of a conversation now because there's a concern about passing herpes on to a partner. Yeah. Making definitely. sure that they're okay with it. Yeah. Um, but pre diagnosis, there was like a little bit of a convo. Yeah. yeah. Post diagnosis. Now it's that convo. Do you feel like it's, uh, more necessary to have because you have herpes and do you find that you're the one who often initiates it uh you know it's a mixed bag i i would say especially people are i feel like up in portland here people are very well sexually versed and pretty responsible for the most part i mean not always but in in a way like in a big way a lot of times they are so i've had women especially recently that you know will will bring it up you know and and I'm happy to have that conversation too. It definitely made me more aware of possibilities of even things beyond herpes to be really careful of and and uh, have safe practices, whether it's like mutual SCI testing. Like uh, I haven't really, I, I have been with people who also have general herpes uh, beyond, you know, my regular primary partner. Um, and, and there's been kind of talk like, well, if we keep doing it for a while, maybe we could both, and we want to not use a condom, maybe we could both get tested and whatever. But it never really, it never really seemed necessary. Like, you know, like, I want to I speak to that because there is so much emphasis on use a condom, use a condom. However, there's no regard for the fact that like in porn, we don't, we never see condoms. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't even question STIs in mm. that setting. Yeah. So for everyday common folks, civilians, as we yeah, might totally. call ourselves, yeah. there's almost no regard for how important communication is in regard to STD prevention, STI minimization, because you can use a condom all the time and have this assumption in the back of your mind that you're not going to get anything. Yeah, yeah. Stuff happens. Yeah. Condoms break. They slip off. You know, there's play around using condoms. Yeah. But we will operate under the assumption that communication isn't really necessary as long as there's a condom involved Yeah. rather than having the communication. And if condoms are not involved, like understand that there's still that level of protection there because one, we were willing to have the conversation. Yeah. And two, you know, if we're feeling good about how it is laid out, then uh, we may find ourselves in situations where we're not using condoms, but we're still at a lower risk of SCIs than someone who uses a condom and does sure. not use communication. So this is like a rant that I've been <laughs> going on lately yeah. because there is an aspect of communication that is just left out of the conversation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and I think that's a lot easier to do when until I guess until something hits you, you know, until you have an experience. So for some people, it's as simple as uh, not to rank STIs or anything, but for some people, it's as simple as getting chlamydia or something, and you know, you 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 know, you take some antibiotics that goes away, but that's enough for some people to to be like, whoa, I gotta I gotta figure this out in a better way, and and a lot of people have. Feel like might come to more of a conclusion that they do need to communicate more and um yeah and that's definitely with this, this experience especially that's definitely um brought that out more for me like it's a very you know it's a real thing and and it seems like it can't happen to you till it does you know so um yeah absolutely so so speaking to the communication component, something I found is after my diagnosis of genital HSV2 was that sex had to start to look a little bit different. You know, maybe yeah. I have an outbreak, maybe someone's uncomfortable with yeah. touching that affected area. Yeah. So sex evolved. And then I found myself into the space of kink, BDSM, and sure. the different relationship dynamics that come with that. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, mine happened after my diagnosis. Were you already involved in the kink space or sex positive space prior to your diagnosis? Uh, no, actually I wasn't. Um, I guess I had like been somewhat interested. I would say, I guess in a way it was like very less distinct kink. Like I would, you know, sometimes take on a more dominant role with, you know, women I'm, um, I'm sleeping with or, or whatever the case is. But nothing like too, too specific where, you know, toys and 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 other like kind of tools of of BDSM would would come to play. I, it's funny so, you say yeah. tools because yeah, uh, yeah. I talk about like how women call it sex toys. Yeah, yeah. And, like if you call it sex tools, like guys yeah, yeah, tools. Like, yeah. Wait a minute, what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, and in kink and BDSM, have you found that that space has? Um, done anything for you like vaguely i'm gonna just ask that like what has being uh someone who's tested positive for herpes and entered the bdsm kink space what has that done for you so for me it's interesting because i i don't necessarily like relate them as like a function of like okay well this is easier to do without actually having penetration it's just like i'm a very like explorative person and you know i like to try all kinds of different dynamics, situations, you know, environments, like all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, for me, it was just more about like exploring. I tend to be somebody who will be like, explore something like, okay, like what else can we explore now? And like, um, and kind of go through all those motions and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, like it, it is definitely, it's kind of interesting because it can exist beyond, like it, it does like say, say I'm negotiating like a scene or, or an encounter with somebody. Um, it's kind of interesting cause you could do that. And if you don't think that, that if you're not negotiating penetration or, or things that could pass on HSV, then you could kind of like, like you don't necessarily have to disclose right then, but if it gets to the point where, where, where that's part of the conversation and clearly you, you know, I would anyway, or you should or whatever. But, um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting in that way that you could kind of have these like sexual talks and encounters and, and get to a certain point that's pretty deep with, you know, before it's like, 
oh, well, you want to, you know, have, you know, oral sex or penetrative sex. And then it's like, okay, now, now we, we have to have a conversation or whatever. So that's kind of an interesting, like, uh, aspect of it for sure. So. Did negotiations for you take place prior to uh, your experience in kink and BDSM? Yeah, generally. I mean, I guess it depends on the situation, but generally it, it, it yeah, just takes place prior. Um, yeah, just good, good to have conversations. Sometimes it's like immediately before too, um, depending on the situation too. So I'm sorry, before your diagnosis. Oh, before my yeah. diagnosis. Uh, yeah, I wasn't like too involved. Like, I, I guess it would. Like, I mean, I guess it would. Like, you know, I'm not gonna just if somebody wants to like be spanked or choked or whatever. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm not necessarily just going to go for, like, grab their throat or anything because that could get a little weird, you know? Uh, so, yeah, it'll be conversations about that. I've usually been, pretty much always been pretty open and actually really enjoy talking about that because I really enjoy the kind of, like, psychological aspect of it as well. And, like, not only, like, what they like, but, you know, kind of why they like it too, I guess. So. Okay. And how that fits in. So. Yeah. yeah. And the reason I ask is because negotiations is a very important word that I think that a lot of people who are maybe not in the sex positive space sure. can really benefit from. Because yeah, yeah. when I hear negotiations, I don't just think of penetrative sex. Yeah. Negotiations are, you know, how are we going to interact? Like um, going to a sex club with a friend. Like, sure, all right, yeah, yeah. we're in this environment. Like, what are our boundaries? Yeah. Um, speaking to uh, just how someone wants to be touched, what a relationship is going to look like. There are so many aspects of negotiations that fall under the category of even just like relationship intentions. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just simply people having a conversation of like, what is this right now? Or as simple as that. <laughs> what are so, we? Yeah, what are we? <laughs> yeah. What's going on? So, yeah, I think that's completely true. Um, yeah, totally. And how did you learn to go through negotiations? Uh, I mean, I guess a little of it was intuitive, but I, I have read about stuff like that. I'm, you know, on the internet, like I, I tend to like when I get interested in something, want to learn everything I can about it. And so I could kind of navigate it Same. the best way I can. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, when you got into the BDSM negotiations, nope, that's not what I meant to say. I was going to try and transition this to how testing positive for an SEI changed the way that you engage in sexual relationships. Sure. Yeah. I mean, what a poor segue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll right. leave that in. We're human. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so how did negotiations change the way I do, uh, how did it change from before to after? Correct. Um, yeah, I guess like, well, I guess my, Getting deeper into BDSM, maybe coincidentally, maybe not, kind of coincided pretty closely with, um, with being diagnosed with herpes. Um, so I guess, I guess that's a factor because like once, kind of like we were talking about before, it's just like there'd be negotiations of like, kind of like you're talking about, like, what is this? Like, what are we doing? Or even in like very kind of more vague, um, sexual scenarios or whatever like before diagnosis and then afterward it was uh very much like a lot more in-depth talk but that kind of has to go with having a little bit more uh 
more gears to it because of because of like kink and stuff. So okay, yeah. All right. So this seemed to have been a space where you were able to. I don't know. I guess like as someone with herpes, understanding and exploring that space of kink and being able to negotiate and communicate. Like communicate is the word that keeps like knocking me in the back of my oh, head. Oh yeah, totally. Because yeah. communication is yeah. like the core of what someone who has tested positive for an SCI I think goes yeah. on to learn. It's important to not only be able to communicate but understand how you communicate and yeah, how others absolutely. are receiving your communication. Um, and it sounds like that's something that through practice you've been able to, you said you started out with it intuitively. There's things that you just know. Sure. Um, have Has the way that people communicated with you changed since your herpes diagnosis? Uh, in a way, um, I guess it depends. You know, it depends on the person. It also depends. Uh, my partner and I weren't, for the last, up until about nine months ago, weren't living in this area um, and living in an area that's not quite as open and sex positive as, as Portland, Oregon is, you know? Um, so it's, I mean, I guess that's a factor. I mean, there's so many factors, it's hard to tell which are, which are variables and like variants and what's actually like directly related to that. Um, so yeah. Shit, I lost my train of thought. No, no, because where you were going with that, uh, speaking about Oregon in itself, like Portland, Oregon specifically, um, because you did mention earlier that this is a much more sex-positive, receptive place, and people are on top of their sexual health. And what I'm finding here, too, throughout these podcast episodes is that there's something to be said for sex positivity Mm. and like how prevalent that is. And the way that people communicate amongst each other in regards mm-hmm. to sex and their negotiations. Yeah. So there's yeah, yeah. absolutely something there to be said. And I think that what a lot of people have learned through sex positivity mm-hmm. and what that all encompasses, it really does contribute to how well they communicate and how their communications received, how they receive communication from others. And I think that this is directly something that challenges current STD prevention uh, efforts because I think that we live in a very sex avoidant society, not Absolutely, necessarily yeah. sex negative, but yeah. take the phrase wear a condom every time. Yeah, yeah. That's avoidance because we don't have to communicate. Uh, we just wear a condom. Yeah. Right? So now coming into a space where we can and we are encouraged to communicate mm. um, and it's like, it's, it's, supported like it's it's encouraged people are like yeah let's communicate consent like i can't tell you how many places i go and i see things like ask for whatever yeah ask 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 get consent yeah um and this is just like such a sex positive atmosphere absolutely yeah and it makes it not only is it just work better for you know establishing healthy communicative relationships regardless of how serious they are but it's also just makes it everybody's safer too you know so um yeah it's kind of interesting like back when i was and where we're living before um i was with somebody before my partner and we're in like a like an exclusive relationship and she i mean she was she i disclosed and she's like was really into it and not having herpes but like the relationship itself and uh when we first started dating and 
So, you know, we'd just have sex with the condom for a while. I think like a few months in maybe. I can't remember how long, but uh, like at one point she wanted to have sex without a condom. I, I don't really get, like I got like a really bad outbreak at first and then like a few more. And then I, I generally don't, um, I generally don't get them too much. So, uh, well, you know, possibly less of a risk. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't get it. You can't pass it on. Um, but we, she wanted to have sex without a condom one night. And I remember after we were done and she didn't even mean this in a bad way, but it was just, it was still kind of strange. But, uh, after we were done, she's like, she said, I feel like a vampire. Like I, like she had like, I had like, you know, bitten her or something like that. <laughs> like, I feel like, a, but it wasn't like a endearing like a funny, way. But, yeah. It wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't like, like, in a Oh God, I feel like a, I feel like a vampire. So like, like in a way I was like kind of wondering if she was just like ready to get it and we just both have it or something, which is, you know, that I, you know, it was, it was kind of like interesting. Just, let's just get it over with. But like at the I same just... time in the back of my head, I'm like, man, I feel like a monster right now. <laughs> you know, like that's literally like, a, like, it's not, I guess it's kind of like that, but I don't know. Yeah. So, but not that bad. I mean, it was fine. I could tell that she didn't mean anything by it too. So yeah, yeah. just kind of roll with it. But uh, yeah. Since your HSV diagnosis, have you tested positive for another STI? Uh, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. I guess that comes with, um, well, long before, many, many years ago, I, I had gotten chlamydia before and tested positive for that, and, you know, took antibiotics, but, uh, yeah, since, since this, you know, I haven't, you know, there hasn't been, haven't tested positive for anything, so. Was there much of a difference between when you, how you responded to testing positive for chlamydia versus herpes? Yeah, I don't know, like, I guess there was because with chlamydia, I, I mean, especially bec the fact that I felt so sick and I just had such a bad, out painful outbreak. I was out of work for like three, four days, you know, like uh, it was that bad. Um, I, I had even told like my boss at the time, which was kind of surprising. And afterward, like I was like, man, should I have done that? You know, but um, yeah, it's like, yeah, so. Okay. Sure. And that speaks to, again, just like how we learn to communicate after the fact. Like we test positive and then we go on and the communication shifts. And I think that that's something, too, to be said for how we can minimize the possibility of transmissions and new infections just through communication. Uh, did you get your communication skills and like learn how to disclose or learn anything about herpes from your healthcare provider? A little bit. It wasn't like a, a, a little bit. I did. I had to do a lot of my own research and it seemed like there's still a lot of gray areas and it's still to this day, like, you know, what's safe? Like, can you, can you receive oral sex without a condom? Is that safe? What, what kind of risk does that, you know, what are, you know, like statistically, what are the odds that you can pass on that way and stuff like that too. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, what information do you wish that you had from your healthcare provider upon your diagnosis? Um, let's see here. Um, it can be something that you later found on your own or something that just doesn't exist. Yeah, well, I mean, they didn't really tell me, like, statistically, like, I, I think it would have been helpful to know how common it is. Like, they didn't really touch on, like, yeah, you know, a massive percent of people have it and 
you know, a massive percent of those people don't even know. Uh, and which is still kind of confusing to me how, how they know that statistic too. Like, how do they get the statistic of people that have it, but don't know, you know, like, where do they get that from? Maybe just from the, after the fact or something like that too. But yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess the last question I have for you really is, you know, we just had this discussion. Um, I want to know what to you makes safe sex. Uh, safe sex. Um, Let's call it safer sex. Safer sex. Uh, I guess, I don't know. I guess uh, STI screening, like, you know, talking about, um, you know, being able to trust somebody enough to know that they're telling you the truth about their, about what uh, their STI status is and when they have actually been tested. Uh, and just, you know, using condoms when there's any kind of, like, doubt or gray area with that stuff, so. Okay. Yeah. When in doubt, get the condom out. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Zach, man. Well, uh, I thank you for this conversation. Thanks for helping me close this out. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. Appreciate we got it. through all it's of our questions. Talk. Is there anything that you would want to leave with someone, let's say, who's newly diagnosed with herpes? And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's really not going to be as bad as you think it is right now. Like, literally everybody is going through or has been through what you're going through right now, and it gets a lot easier. Like, your value as a person and your ability to form meaningful relationships and connect with people and all that it, it's not it's not going to curb that if anything it, it makes you better at it you know like maybe that's a little too fantastic but I honestly think that you you get better I mean, in a way you, you gain more confidence like you get through all that and then and then and you get through those first few really tough times of disclosing and and you get through that and you're like, damn, I did that, you know, and, and you go forward, not really, not really being afraid of, of too much in that regard. So, um, you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. All right. I say conquer the communication. That's what we want to do. This concludes this Oregon Health Authority series. Yay. But also this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to share this podcast. I can be found through the website www.spfpp.org if you want to connect with me, if you are looking for mental health services, yoga classes, counseling, therapy, coaching, mentoring, um, reach out. Courtney at spfpp.org is my email address. Um, you can also follow me on social media at Courtney Brame, all one word, and then underscore. So just my name, Courtney Brame, underscore. And uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm mostly going to be uh, taking steps back from social media to more so focus on the business side of something positive for positive people. So if you want to support us, please make a donation. Uh, reach out. Let me know you made a donation. And yeah, just however you feel is best for you uh, to be able to contribute to the cause please consider doing so. Till next time, stay sex positive.